The following shiur has been delivered by Diane Yosef Greenwald, Diane at the Betavad. For more information or shiurim, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Shoftim v'shotvim titen l'cha b'chol she'arecha. There is a mitzvah, mitzvah taseh deoraita, to set up a system of beddin in all cities, in all districts where Jews lived in Eretz Yisrael. And to set up, it's not only in Eretz Yisrael, the Rishonim explain in the, in the end of the first parak of Makot that, uh, the mitzvah of setting up batei din, a viable system where the halakha, where all business matters are educated, uh, kifi, the halakha, is true in Chutzlaz as well. So this is really an imperative on us, wherever we live, to support Dayanim and to make the system viable and to insist that all business disagreements, matters, and so on, should all go to Batei Dinim. That this is part of the imperative of this mitzvah taseh The Rambam famously holds that if the mitzvah is only in Eretz Yisrael, not in Chutzlaz, and it could very well be the reason for that is because in Chutz Laaretz, the Batei Dinim are limited because there is no smicha, the, the institution of smicha, where not the smicha today of becoming a rabbi, but the smicha of ish mi pi ish, all the way back, gener- the generational chain of authority going back to Moshe Rabbeinu to HaKadosh Baruch Hu was broken. So if we don't have that, so then the mitzvah of Batei Dinim is not relevant today. Now, truth be told, the Gemara in Bavakama, Pedalid Amud Bet, does have a discussion that seemingly, uh, it would seem that Batei Dinim should not have any authority today. Because without Smicha, there is no rabbinical authority invested in Dayanim. It's not like um, a Sheila in Hilchot Nida or Kashrut or Shabbat where any rabbi, anybody who's qualified can answer. A Bedin means he has to have the authority that's vested in him from a higher authority. You have to be appointed in order to be a judge, to be able to render decisions that are legally binding on others. You have to have this uh, decision-making power vested by a higher authority. That higher authority ultimately is only HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. But it comes down Moshe Rabbeinu, Yeshua Benun, and so on through the generations. That train, so that chain of transmission unfortunately was broken. In the times of Amorim, we'll say, let's say in the, in the, Fifth century, Roman persecution brought an end to that unbroken chain of succession. And the Gemara tells us that the reason why the Dayanim in Bavel, in the times of the Amoraim, which is where the Gemara is discussing, but the same is true for us today, is because we're considered as acting on behalf of Dayanim in Eretz Yisrael. Very interesting concept. Uh, the Gemara discusses it in the context of living sages who were living in Eretz Yisrael. Um, ki ilu, so to speak, giving over their authority to Dayaneid Bavel. But the Rishonim explained that this is true also many centuries, as is today, after those Dayanim who are vested with that authority, authority of Smicha, uh, even after they passed away. So that's the truth today. Some Rishonim hold that it's only Dura Banan. Others hold that it's Doraita. Any way you look at it, 
there is a Bedin system today. Now, the Gemara does tell us, the Gemara that we just mentioned in Bavakama, Pedalud uh, Omid that the authorities in Bavel did not appropriate for themselves all the powers of Bedin. They appropriated for themselves only the amount of power, being that they're not the full authority because they don't have that vested authority door after door, all the way back, that chain of transition, all the way back to uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu. So they only assumed for themselves what was necessary in order to keep, um, sort of, in order to keep the world running and in order to show that they don't have authority they divest themselves, a very fascinating discussion, which I'd like to delve into for a few minutes, what yeah and what not. For starters, authority, in terms of making decisions, is one thing. But authority in terms of issuing punishments is something else. Now, capital punishment is not even part of our discussion because capital punishment as a function of bedin stopped in the end of the times of the Bet, uh, Bet HaMikdash. The ultimate Bet Din, the ultimate Sanhedrin, that sat in the times of Bet HaMikdash, sat actually on the gr- in the grounds of the Bet HaMikdash. That invested the complete level of Kiddushah into the Bet Din system. It filtered down through every Bet Din in Klal Yisrael. When, that, when they had to move out because of persecution, that uh, supreme authority over life and death stopped. There's also a level of authority where... Bedin would have the power to give Malku, to give uh, somebody who was uh, did Navera, lesser Avera, to uh, to give him uh, thirty nine uh, uh, lashes. That also is a punishment. And Bedin today, from the time when Smicha was lost, that we do not appropriate that power. But let's take this idea a little bit further. The idea over here is is that. Bedin today serves as a facilitator to make sure that life runs smoothly. In the Lashon of the Gemara, the way, the way the Gemara says it is that Shalotin ol delet bifne lavin. In order that the door shouldn't be closed for lenders. Lenders doesn't only mean people borrowing and lending money, but business, commerce. If there's no systems, then uh, people don't trust each other, they don't do business. So you need an authority, it can't be a jungle. Obviously the system has to be a system that's Torah based, so it has to be a Bedin system run by Chachme Torah, and uh, we can't do without that. But authority, in terms of handing out punishments, that not. Now, Again, you know, this capital corporal punishment, but the truth of the matter is that there's certain monetary dinim, which are also punishments by nature. Example, a person steals, so we know that a, a gneva carries with it a double punishment. First of all, he has to give back uh, the stolen merchandise. He stole a cow that was worth $1,000. He has to give back the cow if it's intact. Or if the cow is not intact, he has to give back $1,000. That's open and shut. Besides for that, that's, you know, just monetary cause and effect, there's a punitive damage of kefel of another thousand dollars, which is imposed on the ganav. And if he, if he actually, uh, sells or he slaughters the cow, if it's a cow, so then he has to pay four or five cows, sheep, sukim, and parashat mishpatim. Point being that the thousand dollars for a thousand dollars of loss is not damages. 
I, I, I hesitate, but I would just give it a name just in order to process this idea. There's what we'd call a criminal suit and there's what we call a civil suit. And even though Lahavdil in the outside world, a thief is a criminal prosecution, but in our system it's really not. There's no difference really between two people, a lawyer and an accountant, that are arguing in Bedin over the wording of a contract how much money has to be paid, uh, and how many days the money has to be paid, could it be paid in installments, any other business, total business-related uh, thing, or a claim which has to do with somebody stealing from somebody else $1,000. Or, by the way, stealing doesn't only have to mean thievery. could be any type of, I had your, I had your bike, and I left it outside and it was, you know, wasn't watched for and somebody else stole it. So I'm also chayav. The Gemara is willing to call that in the beginning of Baba Kama also a, a mazik. Because in a sense, I also caused somebody loss. So these concepts could be thrown about, but anything which is a knas, Belashona Gemara, Shulchan Aruch says in the beginning of Choshem Mishpat, the very first si'ifim in Choshem Mishpat, Hilchot uh, Dayanim Siman Aleph, Bedin today will educate, will take care of hodaot. Hodaot literally means admissions of guilt, but it doesn't mean only admission. It means anytime there's a dispute, uh, you know, fact. You say I do owe you, I say, I say you did the work, you say you didn't do the work. Any type of back and forth, which is, you know, has to be settled Halvaot is any type of agreement, any type of binding agreement which is which obligates parties to each other. Look how Shulchan Aruch, even though the Lashon Gemara is Hodaot v'Halvaot, adds Ktubotisha. This does not only mean the Ktuba if he divorces her or if he dies. This means all financial matters that pertain to between between married uh, between a married couple. If we're talking about alimony, if we're talking about mizonot, if we're talking about, uh, yerusha of assets that fall to her. And here we have the next one, yerushot. Again, inheritance, bequests, wills, partnerships, all these type of things, matanot. Any type of obligation that two people have between each other, any type of bequest, any type of, uh, any type of non, uh, you know, non-for-profit, giving, taking, all these type of things. These are all part of the, part and parcel of the financial, regular, everyday world. So these things we understand, this is business. Business, Bedin does educate. Criminal activity, not. But listen to this. Umazik mamon advarim hamitsuyim. These are also things that are relevant. Things that are common. Mazik mamon chavero. When we think about that, what brings to mind is we think about uh, criminal activity. Mazik mamon chavero, in the simple sense, could be as innocent as backing out of your driveway a fender bender. Again, that's part of everyday life. That's not criminal activity. In today's world, you wouldn't go to criminal court over a fender bender, even if there's a dispute between two parties, right? So all that is not part of what Bedin does not educate. All these things are relevant, they're common, v'yesh behem chisaron kis, the Shulchan Aruch says. All of them we're dealing with financial laws. Aval, however, dvarim she'enu things that are not usual, things that are not part of everyday 
everyday world and everyday life, even though they do have with them financial laws, such as an animal that damages another animal. Now here we're dealing with something interesting. There's something violent about a shore, uh, about a shore, goring another shore, oxen fighting with each other. It's not so common in today's world. Um, it's not the same thing, by the way, as a car is banging into each other. It's a little more innocent. Nothing violent about that, unless it's a hit and run, or unless it's something illegal going on. But um, this is more violent activity. It's not part of the everyday world. Therefore, Bedin does not get involved in that type of thing. Bizman has a... He goes to the examples of things that are Knas, which we've spoken about. The Shach comments in Sifkatan Bet, other forms of monetary damage, property monetary damage, is esh. Esh brings to mind, by the way, arson. But there are a lot of levels of that. There's arson that we would consider pure criminal activity. But esh could also be as innocent as leaving a tap open. And because of that, water drip, 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 I go away on vacation for a week, I come back, the neighbor's uh, ceiling is ruined because the water that I left dripping overflowed the bathtub and went down and destroyed his ceiling and his carpet. That's also ish because I didn't throw anything at anybody. I unleashed a physical force that caused damage. That's a subsidiary of ish. Fascinating the sugya in the beginning of Bavakama, but that's what it says. That is ish. So, you know, once we process that, Esh is not as violent as it would sound. You know, you're talking about graffiti, you could be talking about Mazik Mamon Chavero, you're talking about a fender bender, it's not criminal. You're talking about graffiti, it is. The cutoff point in this, you know, from a civil perspective is not necessarily our viewpoint. Um... Now, the truth, truth to be told, the Bitchet Shuvah says that the minhag in Batei Dinim today is to educate Eshenbor. And again, like we're saying, it could be that by their very nature, it's not violent. Even though you think about an arson, you think about an evil person. An arsonist is a, is a would-be murderer, a destroyer, etc., etc. He's a public menace. But by its very nature, it's just carelessness. Uh, you know, somebody leaving a campfire, and because of that, uh, a building burns down. There could be a lot of tragedies from such stories, but they're not, by their nature, violent. So it's 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 part of everyday life. It's part of the world, and it's part of the regular uh, market of life, so to speak. So that we do do. So the Betchet says that there are many poskim that argue on the shach, and we do ag- actually educate um, shor and bor. Let's move on. Siv bet. Something else that we don't deal is something violent. Battery and assault. There's a very big difference between causing somebody financial harm, loss, etc. and chovel. And one example is the fact, which Shulchan Aruch mentioned, is that there are categories of damages that are applicable when if we cause somebody physical um literally physical assault that aren't applicable to any other type of property or personal damage and that is that we deal with the pain 
the doctor's bills that are incurred, work time that's lost. If I bang into somebody, I'm driving recklessly, I bang into somebody, he breaks his leg, he's laid up for two weeks. I have to pay for work time. I have to pay for the doctor's bills. I have to pay for the pain involved. I also have to pay, if he's crippled in any way, for the loss in the, the what the Gemara says is that I have to pay for the difference in his value. How do I value a person? I value how much he'd be sold as a slave. It's a very artificial way of looking at a person's value. And because of that, there's a fascinating discussion between the Rambam and the, and the Raivad, where the Rambam says that actually this is not Mamon, this is Knas. Because really what it is, is the Torah says, Nefesh Tachat Nefesh, that an eye for an eye, famous uh, quote, an eye for an eye, which does not mean poke somebody's eye out. What it means is that he's really deserving of getting punished physically, the same way he destroyed somebody else's eye, that's what he would deserve. But we don't do that. The Torah doesn't say to poke somebody's eye out. Torah says the way to make atonement is by giving him the value, so to speak, and making some type of artificial uh, value of a person, how much he'd be sold on an open slave market. That's the value of his eye. But that's not real. That's knas. The, the rabbit says, no, it's a value of a person. It's Torah imposed, but it is a value, so that's mamon. But shevet and ripui are certainly very sober, not punishment. It's just that when there's bodily assault, then the Torah imposes an extra level of responsibility. Doctors, bills, work time, those things are, are not punitive damages. Those things are considered part and parcel of the damages. But, since that's not so simple, because it is part of bodily assault, so Shulchan Aruch and Sivbet brings down, Aval Shevet Viripui Magbin. Bedin Terei will get involved in, like we said, doctor's bills and work time lost, because of bodily damage. V'yeshomrin, the Ramah says, no. She'af Ripui V'shevet ain't Danin. That's the opinion of the Tur B'Shem, the Rosh. And the reason for that is, like we just said, because... It really is an outgrowth of bodily assault. Bodily assault is not part of the regular work world. Even though you can bang into somebody in the hallway, it's not a big deal. You banged into him, you, he tripped over you, he broke his glasses. The glasses, that for sure, Bedin will educate. He also broke, unfortunately, his nose, and because of that, he needed a surgery, and he had to be laid up for two days. Is that part and parcel of bodily assault or that's just uh, monetary, again, that's just monetary uh, fiscal fina- uh, responsibility for, you know, for for protecting people's interactions with each other. Seems to be a disagreement. What's interesting is, is that there are opinions, there are authorities, the Ketzot HaChoshen considers a very interesting parallel to the idea of causing somebody work time. L- causing somebody to lose work time is only when there's bodily assault. He says you'd have the same idea. The Gemara says it doesn't have to be bodily assault. You don't have to punch somebody in the nose. What happens if you tie him into a, into a dark room? You, you put him in a, in a padlocked room. That's also bodily assault. It doesn't have to be blood or broken bones. Says the Ketzotachoshen, what happens if you hire somebody? You hire him that he's going to work for you for the next two months. And the day before he's supposed to start his employment, you tell him that you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need him. He never signed the contract. You just tell him, you know, like, deals off. Because of that, he can't find the job. He didn't look for a job the last month because he thought he had, he thought he had the next two months with you. He didn't look for a job for the next two months. You owe him lost work time. The Ketzot says based on the model 
of bodily assault work time. Now, there's nothing violent about that. That's about as business-related and business-directed uh, as it gets. And still, it would be considered uh, Shevet. It would be considered part and parcel of bodily assault. So you can hear where they're disagreeing on the proper application of this idea. What's called part of the business world? What's called part of criminal activity? Sif Dalad. Dina de Garmi. These are indirect losses. For example, uh, let's say somebody giving bad business advice. Bad investment. You're an investment broker and you're sloppy in your research. You give somebody bad advice. You are responsible even though you didn't actually damage, but the guy put his house up, you know, uh, collateral for a business deal that, uh, you told him to invest in and because of that the house, uh, got taken away. You own the money of the house under certain circumstances. Very controlled, very, these are very elaborate halachot. They're not, we're not getting into that. I just mean it for the point. These things are, so these we do educate, even bizman hazeh, because they're not by nature criminal activity, they're by nature part of the business world. But he says something else, din moser, moser is somebody who is an informant, and that l'chairu is somewhat criminal activity, that's straightforward mazik. So that's interesting, and Shulchan Aruch says, edim she'idu edut sheker, you know, today there's a crime called perjury. Somebody who lies in court is responsible. It doesn't make a difference if he's lying in a criminal court or a civil court. In our Torah, if somebody lies in a civil court, and because of that somebody else took a financial loss, that's considered a civil claim. There's no difference in throwing a rock through somebody's front window. So in that case, yes, that we would be, uh, that we would be done. And so on and so forth. I think we get the idea. There's a lot of variables between different, different poskim, how we define regular business activity. And there could be cases of things that are primarily regular, but they have illustrations in ways that are sort of criminal. Or you could have areas of halakha that are primarily criminal, but they do have like the employer-employee that we mentioned before. They could have really more of a civil application in certain cases. And that might create some dissonance in what we do educate, what we don't educate. Further reading, we have to learn Biyun, all the poskim in Shulchan Aruch, Seven Aleph. But this, I think, is enough to get the flavor of this uh, this idea. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakhic consultation, monetary Bedin services to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal or for all other information please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at org to subscribe